0: So I want to introduce our speaker today. He is, uh, I believe, one of the founders of Blue Water. And uh, I don't think there is, I I was kind of listing things that he's done around the community. And I don't think there's something that uh, Tony hasn't done when it comes to gathering and upkeep and maintenance for the community. after potlucks, he's, he's always cleaning up. Uh, after church, he's doing some cafe cleanup. Uh, you see him set up the art tarp, uh, doing all different service projects and de- decorating things. Him and his wife, Karen, are long-term Ohana group leaders, and um, they're actually uh, focusing on doing some activities for the youth as well. Um but I don't know if if anybody has had an opportunity to kind of sit down and talk story with uh, Tony or be in an Ohana group leaders meeting with Tony or be at an all-church retreat. And every once in a while, he'll be able to, like, drop a little truth about the life of faith, a truth about God or, um, a, yeah, a gem about the kingdom of God. And when he speaks, you know, it hits you so hard because... It's very kind of straightforward and real, and um, yeah, it's just, uh, it's there. So, um, I think for me, this is a, a, a long time coming. I'm so happy to have uh, Tony speak. So, uh, welcome him up here.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for the intro. You're welcome. Especially... um, Thank you for being here. Acknowledging all that I do, seen and unseen. But that's actually part of my presentation today. And, um, you know, we just ended a series called Worlds Colliding. And as believers, we belong to two worlds. Heavenly world and our earthly world, kingdom world. So when TJ and Elijah reached out to some of us and said, could you you guys be willing to do a presentation? I selfishly, within five minutes, raised my hand because I wanted to be last. And so I said, yes, I'll do it, but can I be last? Because I was trying to buy some time. And they said, yeah, sure, sure, sure. What I didn't know was because you're last, you have to do the wrap-up. And we just did, we just heard four speakers in faculty like six because TJ and Jason were the bookends. And I, then it kind of bothered me. You can change the slide. I, I knew the distinctives, but how do you wrap that up? How do you summarize after four speakers? And then I wish I raised my hand and went first and just did one. But it was too late. So, at home, I went nuts. I mean, really, I got stressed out. I, I, do you ever overthought something, or like one of these painters, if they started using too much paint, and then they threw in another image. After a while, you step back and go, "I'm lost in the weeds." That happened to me. I wrote something. I looked at it. It was all over the place. And then I started bugging Elijah. Text, email, phone call. When I warned that welcome out, I called TJ. I changed it up a little. Email, phone call, text. As if, as if they were talking to each other. I figured cover that base. Callie said, Tony, just do a rap, a wrap-up rap. Sing it. (laughs) I I, I can't do that. I'm Korean, I'm more dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. Anyway, then I bothered my daughter, Mimi. I would make her sit at a coffee table with me at night, and she's not not a night owl. And I said, what about this, what about this? And she tried so hard to help me, but I know when she's frustrated and tired because she drops her head on the table. In fact, I didn't have to look. I hear the thump. And above all, I started getting my wife pissed. Yes. Happy wife, happy life. No. So it wasn't really working out well. I got panicky, and then as late as last Friday morning, I got up really early because I wanted to t- talk to my wife. See, I already knew innately when I when I'm stressed out. Talk to Karen, but for some reason I, I fight that. But if when I have strife, see the wife. I was I was at wits' end, so I just I got up early because she had to leave, and I said, Karen, I need help. I'm all over the place. What what do I do? And she just finally she looked at me and says, Tony, you're not a te- you're not a professor. You're not a lecturer. You're a storyteller. Go tell a story. That simple. I said, okay. And she said, so what's your task? I've got to wrap up four distinctives. Okay, four. We decided to do one story. Four, one. And then she said, what's your application? I said, what? What's your takeaway? Because it can't just be church, teacher, Tony's story. What is your story, right? Because today is Sunday, but Monday, bring that with you. And I said, oh, i got a lot of uh, takeaways. She goes, choose three. And then she went, she left. (laughs) I think I saw her turn her cell phone off. (laughs) But it was so clear. 413 for Tony Lee. (laughs) Okay, so I bring that out because I don't have a photograph of my family, so I wanted to verbally tell you about my family. But there's another reason why I'm doing that. Karen, on her faith journey, is light years ahead of me. I mean, I don't even see her taillights when she makes the turn. <laughs> and without her knowing, she diffused me with the distinctives. Because she said, okay, Tony is kind of um, legalistic. So she covered me with grace. Mission. She knows I'm strange. But when she married me, she welcomed the stranger. (laughs) Materialism, I was control, control, I want the control. And she she knew that's a false security. Supernatural. Only a miracle can change (laughs) something. She knew all of that. She just did it innately. And I just wanted to bring that up because on our faith journey, when we have these collisions and we will have them every day constantly, know that along the way as you grow in wisdom through grace and forgiveness, this should come innately and it comes with spiritual wisdom. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do a 413. We know the four. Elijah said, standards are important but they're often misused. Steve said, and I love this, Jesus loves the outsider and you'll know this in your gut. Elton says, don't go looking for your scissors. Elton said, where do your true treasures lie? And we are never fully in control. And Vern said, sometimes miracles Are right in front of us and we just don't see them so that's what I took when I heard this and so now I move to one what's my one story when I do we have the photo so that's my family that's my that's my one story ironically my collision occurred at church and I put that out here and teacher kind of alluded to it. I spend a lot of time outside. I, I, I've been doing this coffee snack table since as long as we've been here. And along the way, I've worked with many, many friends. Uh, Safinia is helping now. But I've always done this. And what you, a lot of times people would come up, because I've been doing this for so long, a lot of people would come and go, Man, Tony, you must be a really strong Christian guy. You do these things behind the scene. Who wants to throw away the dirty trash, etc., etc.? And the truth is, when we first started, I don't know if you guys remember, besides the coffee, we used to have a table out here and we would serve food. We stopped because of second service. People were eating between services, and it's sort of a rate-limiting step with traffic. But we used to serve a lot of food, popcorn, cookies, etc., And something really bothered me, so much so that I volunteered. There were a lot of neighborhood mothers and kids coming to our church. And they were eating our food. And that was pissing me off. Got to the point where I said, I'm going to volunteer so I can monitor this. Because these people, They don't even go to, I don't even know if they know Jesus. They just want the donuts. So you guys would see Tony Lee, the really nice Christian guy. The truth is, if I ripped off my shirt, I was RoboCop. (laughs) I'm Korean. YoboCop. And I would come early just to count the glazed donuts. Someone would bring two dozen, that's 24, cut them in half with the scissors. I I took your scissors. (laughs) Now, I'll I'll return it. Now I got 48, and I'm thinking, okay, 48, this much popcorn, about one inch brim on the top, and then I would cover them with three tablecloths. (laughs) Then I would go to service. Ten minutes into it, I would walk outside to check. 17 were gone. I knew it wasn't our children because our children were at Sunday school. I knew it wasn't our adults because you guys were listening to Jordan. It was the outsiders. And I would actually go there and I would ask them, did you take my donut? Did you take my donut? And they just kind of... And this went on for weeks on end and you guys kept thanking me for being a good Christian guy. (laughs) Never told the truth, but till today. It got to the point where Saturday night, I started planning already. I knew something was really wrong when it was Friday evening, but truthfully, that's what happened. And then, one day I was out in the back after service, standing by the table, feeding our children and our people. And I see this one lady from the community walk behind the line about five deep, orange moo-moo. And I said, whoa, now they're robbing in daylight, because I could never catch them. <laughs> yeah. Yobo cop's going to catch this lady. I'm watching her, right? Five, three, and she comes right up to me. And I'm standing there akimbo in legalism. Talk to this stranger, but before I could say anything, she wasn't even looking at me. She was just thumbing the napkins, and she went like this—very friendly gesture. She said, Um, "Sir, I know this not for us, but when you pow feed your children, can I have one for my kids, folks?" I melted. Now you guys might be thinking, Tony. Distinctives are really important. Your donut story is lightweight. That's what are you doing? I don't think we get to engineer our breakthroughs. When it happens, it happens, and Jesus knew Tony at Palama. This is your breakthrough. Small collision, big bang. I. I I just gave her the donuts. I, I was, and I it's, I don't know. Maybe that's the mystery of the Holy Spirit. And I'm kind of, I've seen that happen again and again, so it's better. And it turned really good. In fact, over a while, we, I got to be friends with them. There were about six, seven of the mothers and the children, a couple of fathers. And I started sitting down and talking to them. Sometimes I would stay outside and I missed the sermon completely. And you know, it's like they were always there, but I never saw them, but they were always there. And we got into such tremendous conversations. I told them about my two daughters, Mei Mei and Lan Lan. I adopted them from China. And this is how terrific the conversation turned. Instead of me monitoring them, they didn't understand this one-child policy from China. Okay. And this one young lady, just it bugged the heck out of her. Again, this is not important, but this is the relationship now. She even brought an interpreter so that, I, that spoke better English so I could tell her in case she was missing something. And she, she kept saying, what do you mean a mom can only have one child? I said, well, maybe she doesn't understand zero population and what they're trying to do. But she, they understood that, she got that. She said, I, if I'm in China, I can only have one child? I said, yeah. You, and she goes, they can't stop me. I said, no, you, you can only have one child with She goes, I just find another man. <laughs> Beautiful conversation, right? <laughs> Really, really. I mean, I'm just coming from screaming at her, taking my glazed donuts, And now we're talking of two people trying to understand culture difference and and, oh, this is real. And And I, oh, this is so terrific. And then one day, they just disappeared. All of them. They just never came back. Like, And at first I thought, well, I knew this was a good ending you know, the three weeks of repair. But there was six months of angst. And if you weigh the two, maybe I scared them away. And I was, oh, I guess I scared them away. But one day, and this is really nice, I um, was talking to one of the dads, because he works at Paloma. And I said, hey, what happened to all of you guys? He goes, oh, we started our own church. Now, nothing to do with me. Everything to do with you guys. I mean, if I weren't going to Blue Water, you would still be here, they would still be there, and nothing to do with donuts or me, and they would still open a church. Because he went on to explain that they were so, the moms were so concerned about inner city life, and I know because I grew up here, that some of them were believers. They know Jesus. There wasn't a lot of them. And they realized. So this, is what, this, this wasn't about organism. It was about organization. They didn't know how to open a church. And someone told them, Palama has a church. And they said, let's go watch. Best practice. And I'm hearing all of this and I'm... <coughs> glazed donuts. And then I started thinking, oh. So they were saying, Always get greeters, check the box. Somebody moves blue chairs, check the box. They were taking all of this in until they felt they, could ready, they were ready to go. And then I was thinking to myself, move table, oh, find somebody that screams to you about the donuts. <laughs> he said that they would, they would meet in the afternoon at Palama Sediment, in one of the buildings. And it just had so much freedom. I don't know what it is. You know, it happened, small. I just got an update last week, Sunday. And the guy, the father said, oh yeah, we still meet. We don't meet at the office because they closed the office. That's why in the building, that's why we had to move. But we meet at the park at one o'clock. And he looked at me and he looked so alive said, Tony, why don't you come and visit us? I never invited him. I never thought, even thought about that. He goes, Just give me advance notice because I find you an interpreter so that you understand our message. Oh, wow. He told me he was the assistant pastor. That's why he looks so alive like TJ. Same role. Same role. Maybe he was watching you. So this is all a good ending, and I understand small bag, big. But there was something that so that was an immediate result, and I felt very good about that. There was um, something else that happened because I always bugged me: why did I get so upset about them eating the food? In any other setting, if we were at, if I were at work, or if this was at home, that's not me. I, I, This wouldn't bother me, and it bothered me, it bugged me. And after feeling really good over time because all of this happened, I began to realize that I felt something really good about something else. And so, I'm I'm still trying to work this out, so you guys have to hang in with me. I have two Palama lives. This one, and the donuts. But I also was raised here. I mean, really fast story. My mom and dad are from Hawaii. My dad went to the infantry. My sister was born in Fort Benning, Georgia. I was born in Frankfurt, Germany. My other sister was born in Munich. We moved, the family moved to Fort Lewis, Washington. But at a very young age, or sometime in the 60s, my father had orders sending him to Vietnam. So my mom, with five kids and we're all about one year apart, six to come, decided to compensate for his absence, she would bring the family home because of family and friends. So she moves back. My mom never worked in an office. She never even drove a car till today. She had five kids, almost all one year apart. She struggled because all she had was my father's paycheck at the end of the month. So to make matters, to, to be really quick, somehow a pastor at the Korean Christian Church on Liliha Street, where my paternal grandfather was an um, elder while he was alive, found out that my mom was struggling. They own the Korean old folks' home, which is right there, right across the chain link fence. It's still there. So he called her and he said, uh, Mrs. Lee, I don't know you. I know your grandfather. If you want, we offer you a room, two-bedroom duplex. You can stay there. When your husband comes back, we can work something out. So my mom took it. And that's where, I think five, six days out of the week, this is where I played. This was my home. Palama for a lot of inner city kids is a safe haven because if you cross the street, and I did, that's trouble. People here take care of you. They love you. I always remember there was a guy named Joe. There was a wood shop. He taught me how to use a hammer and a nail. In fact, one day, he brought this big wooden tree trunk, a handful of nails, and he just told me uh, all afternoon, pound the nail. There was another family, the Hoffmans. They had two boys. They would bring me into their house, and I know I trashed it. I think I stole some of her flowers, I, I, some vague memory. <laughs> they were so loving. Skip almost 20 years, I'm out of Palama now, I graduated, I'm working, I'm in my thirties. One day I ran into one of them, an old um, Palama administrator. So I went up to him to introduce myself. He didn't remember me. And I just kind of arbitrarily said, whatever happened to uh, Joe and the Hoffmans? And he goes, oh, they were missionaries. What? They were missionaries. And I think they went back to Iowa and Michigan. I don't even know if they're around. I am a Christian adult at that time when I heard that. And maybe some of you out here that have more wisdom in terms of faith can understand. I'm still working this out, but maybe you guys can work this out for me. I was so appreciative. I wish I, wish I had a way to tell them that I am a Christian not once did they ever mention Jesus Christ to me. But I think they probably thought to put Tony on the straight and narrow, this is what we need to do now. Teach him to pound the nail. Teach him to fold laundry. Maybe, Lord, down the road, Tony will meet someone that will open the Bible. But this is what Tony needs now. I wish, I wish I could tell them, I'm a Christian. But then I felt so, so guilty, only as a Christian, because I did such terrible things to them. Not just thank you, terrible things. If I were not a Christian adult, when this guy told me they were missionaries, I would have no guilt. This is the part I don't understand. I wrestled with Christian guilt and it bugged me and it bugged me. And as my faith grew, that was one of my top line prayers. Dear Jesus, take away my guilt because I don't know what to do with this. Decades and decades to the point where I just forgot about it. You know, sometimes you just, that's what you do. Your recourse is put it back in the files. That's what I did. I joined this church and Jordan tells me we're going back. We're going to Paloma Settlement. And every time I would come back, that would pop up again, pop up again, and I would pray about it. I say this all to you because after that small encounter with the woman at the table, it wasn't about donuts. Months later, I started to feel good. I, I just realized, months later, I have no guilt. I feel so good. He healed me on the donuts and he, and he met my 30-year prayer. God's dimension is a little different. And I think what God was saying was, okay, Tony, this is the breakthrough. And since we're on the subject of Palama, why don't we just check the entire box? Sort of like when you go to Jiffy Lube tires, air. I'll do the windshield, too. Inclusive, same price. I think that's what God did. He just said, Tony, this is your old palama and your new palama. We'll take care of it. The first one I knew because I don't count donuts anymore. I could care less. I was healed, supernatural. It took me time to understand that I was also healed of my Christian guilt, which sounds like an oxymoron. That took time because that wasn't analytical. I couldn't figure that out. It wasn't top down, it was inside out. Over time, I just realized, I feel good. And I swear that in God's kingdom, much more than I understand, I am now totally convinced that Joe and the Hoffmans, they know I'm a Christian. Because in the language of God, the Holy Spirit, things we cannot even imagine, that was communicated so I just wanted to point this out Kingdom Breakthroughs at Palama. for both of my healings I did not ask God to intervene but he showed up for me but I think when the Holy Spirit works in you that's all that matters it only took a moment but I was changed And again, I don't think we engineer our breakthroughs. And the incident was very, very small. Donuts, lightweight, but the impact was huge. That's from Elijah. So it reminded me of a mustard seed, that verse. And I wanted to just read it to you. This is from Matthew. He told them another parable. The kingdom of God The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it was the smallest of all your seeds, that when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree. So the birds of the air come and perch on its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. Small collisions, big bang. I think this was written when Jesus had a small handful of followers and he was inciting them that we, although we are small like a mustard seed, we will grow, Christianity will grow 2,000 years later. We know that for, for a fact. So in closing, four one three. Tony Lee. Here's my three. And we all have our stories. Know you are never alone. Also know that God is multidimensional. You never know. When you when you have your breakthrough and we have many, might be coming from many spots. Little is much when it comes from Jesus. He knows. What you need. He knows when you need it. He knows. Be at peace with that and pass it on. I like that whole analogy of the tree that grows so large. I think the mustard seed is one of the smallest seeds in the Middle East, but it grows to one of the biggest trees in the Middle East to the point where branches stick out to help the birds. In your faith journey, May your branches grow and extend so you can pass on and help people in your lives as well. So this is how I want to close. You guys all have something to write on, bring out your Bible, your journal, whatever you have. Um, Think of a time And just one, think of an experience regarding a collision and a breakthrough in your life. And two minutes, and just reflect on that. This was definitely a collision with my neighbor, with my mom. And was there a breakthrough? and just soak in that maybe tomorrow something will register and I can call up the worship team Um, you know you notice my wife opened in prayer Ryan had a great idea that the spouse of the speaker will open in prayer and I he just told us that this morning and last night this is the bookend and I didn't even know what Ryan was thinking about praying about I asked my daughter Mamie to close in prayer So I don't know what she's going to say, but I don't know what she's going to paint and it's always good. So that's that's enough. So maybe if you want to, um, if you remembered what I just talked about, just close in prayer. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for working seamlessly into our lives and thank you for the multidimensional healing that you bring. I pray over this crowd and in your name that every single one of these individuals, uh, your children, would feel your presence and they would see the, the invisible hand that is working in their lives every single day. And we, we would like to take a moment to thank you for all the things that you have done and those things that you will do. Amen. Amen.